Hey guys, welcome to another episode. I am very excited today because today I have with us a guest, Mr. Bob Galetta, who is the podcaster. He hosts the podcast Beyond Our Boundaries, and he is also a coach who works with people to help them really step out of their comfort zones and live their absolute best life. I cannot wait to jump in and talk to him today. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am your host, Melissa Oatman from melissaoatman.com. If you're new, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. So good morning, Bob. Thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. I'm excited to have you here too, because I know you're a fellow coach and mm -hmm. you work with helping people a lot. And that's really what the show is all about. So I can't wait to dive in and really talk about how it is that you help people and work with people. But before you start telling us about that, I really would like to get a sense of who you are and how your journey in life led you to what you do now, helping others. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I will give you the really short condensed highlighted version. And this is not to sound like I'm in any way, shape or form a victim or that uh, I don't, it's not a pity party at all. But the reason why I mentioned some of the more traumatic and tragic experiences of my life is just so that I can connect with people to let them know that I have a, a wide array of traumatic events that have occurred in my time. And, and I'm here. And that's, that's the beautiful thing. So I'm not sharing these things with you, Melissa, so that, you know, for, for sympathy, I'm sharing this so that your listeners will, will know, like me too, right? I've gone through a lot of things in my life. I've had a very traumatic upbringing. You know, one of the best opening lines of any book ever is the road less traveled. And it just simply says life is difficult. And, and it is, right? It's difficult for Melissa. It's difficult for Bob. It's difficult for everybody. And I think that when we're growing up, I think that we have this impression of what we're supposed to get as kids. You know, you go from that time when you're a little, little child, your parents are like superheroes. And then as you start to hit adolescence, you realize that their capes are not working and they're just, you know, maybe not superheroes. And then you get a little bit older and, and you realize, especially once you have kids of your own, like maybe they were just some messed up people doing the best job that they could, right? So, um, but in my life, you know, I grew up in an organized crime family. So I had a different set of principles that were instilled in me at a very young age. My father murdered my mother a couple of days shy of my 10th birthday, which happens to be the day after Christmas. So that tragedy and trauma was introduced to me at a very young age. Wow. The good thing about that is that when mom's murdered young, they immediately want you to go to therapy. And for those of you that have not stepped into the therapy process, I strongly encourage it. I hated going to therapy when I was a kid. And, and I would sit there with my arms crossed and be all cranky and grumpy and say, well, I'm not going to tell these people anything. And then they would still know things, right? They would. So it used to bother me, even at a young age, like, how do they know this stuff? I'm not saying anything. So I started studying, like, what is it that they're looking for? Body language, tone, right? Where are your eyes looking when you're talking to someone? And I started trying to learn this stuff so that I could manipulate the people that I was forced to speak to. But as a beautiful thing happened is along that journey, I started to appreciate what these people were actually trying to do for me. They were trying to get me in touch with who I be. And I know that that's a grammatically incorrect statement, but it has become the essence of who I am today. So I suffered all these different tragedies, you know, childhood 
sexual abuse, physical abuse from an older sibling that occurred pretty much daily until I was about 15 or 16 years old. I've uh, been involved in not one but two failed marriages. And I say failed only because they ended in divorce, but they had lots of good things in them as well. One of them was severely dysfunctional. Uh, I have a history of substance abuse, predominantly drugs. I smoked crack for 30 plus years on and off with varying degrees of success, which is another stimulating way to say that uh, sometimes I was a mess and sometimes I was just a functioning addict and sometimes I was clean. Uh, and that prolonged my drug use for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of history of violence in my marriage, both ways. My wife actually stabbed me in the chest during one of these uh, drug-fueled events. And when I got home from the hospital, I just crawled back into bed like everything was normal. So, like, I understand when people say, hey, I'm suffering because of X, Y, Z, how it feels to go through those events. And I share all of that because if I can create a life where, well, let me just tell you how I used to live. So what I call the dark place, when you're alone at night, head on the pillow, and there's no external input, there's just the sound of your own voice in your head. For most all of my life, that voice would say things like, you're not a good person. I don't like, you're not a good husband or a good father. You treat people badly. You're not smart enough, handsome enough, successful enough. There's some version of you're not enough. And today when I lay my head on the pillow and when I go to my quiet place, today what I hear is I'm fully aware of what I offer to the world. And I truly love who I have become. So I've shared all of that with you guys to let you know that if I can get to a place where I truly love who I have become, then so can you. And that is my mission today. Today, what I do is help people to unlock their true potential so that they can truly love who they be. And like I said, it's a grammatically incorrect statement, but it is really the essence of who I am today is I focus more on the being than the doing. Because regardless of what you do, when you're in the quiet place, if you don't like who you be, it's always going to manifest itself in every aspect of your life. So that's just a little bit of a background about me. I love that. And as a former English teacher, I will excuse the grammatical error here, <laughs> but I love that about just being because you're so correct when you say that we just have to allow ourselves to be. And I think where many of us really get in our own heads and get in our own way is when we try to control everything in life instead of focusing on being happy with who we are and just allowing who we are to exist and to work on that we make things so much harder for ourselves but that's a really difficult concept for a lot of people is just allowing just yes. be that's so hard for so many people how do you help people see or get to a place where they're able to do that so I didn't set out with this intention to create a program of transformational change. But I knew that I didn't like who I was, as I mentioned. And, you know, there are many different events that occurred in my time. I've been physically injured often. I've been stabbed. 
eight separate times on five separate occasions and i've uh had you know been beaten within an inch of my life i've had a lot of physical trauma like i said my wife and i my ex-wife and i were in a very dysfunctional relationship you would think that any one of those events would have said hey this is your wake-up call it's time to make some changes but that wasn't my truth like i told you when my wife stayed went home went back to bed and woke up like okay it's wednesday what what's for dinner you know so about seven years ago I was sitting in my driveway again nothing happened and i just realized how sick and tired i was of being bob and i knew that i didn't have the skills necessary to bring about any long lasting effect but i knew that it didn't matter what i did i'm you know i made my first million dollars when I was, by the time i was 25 and i still hated who i was so i i realized that i had to be different because I had done so many things and it never brought about the desired effect was which was for me to love who I be. So I'm sitting in the driveway and I just made a decision that I wanted to be somebody different. I knew I didn't have the skills. Everything I knew got me right there and I hated that place. So I imagined in my mind if I had a magic wand and I could just wave that wand and tomorrow wake up in this fairy tale of what I now call best Bob, what would best Bob look like? What would I, how would I spend my time? How would I think, how would I feel when I was engaging with other people? What, what people would I be engaging with? And more importantly, how would they feel by being in my presence? What would they think? What would they wanna do when we were interacting with each other? Where would I be doing these things? And so I just created this image in my mind and then I just started acting congruent with what that guy, how he would be living his life. And some things work and some things didn't. And so I had to adjust accordingly, but I had to remember always that each and every day I have a choice. I have a choice to live as best Bob or to go back to that other way of being, which I had been being my whole life. And it wasn't, an, and so that's what I did. And it created this transformational change. And the reason why I, I, I talk so much about transformation as opposed to just change is because I've changed so many times that I've lost count. But in the end, I always went right back to where I was. So you can change, but you can also change back. But when you're transformed, you become something different, something new. And I knew that that's what was going to be needed for me to have a long lasting effect. And it wasn't until I was being interviewed that somebody said, wow, you know, you went through all these things and you went from there to here, what system did you use? And I said, uh, excuse me? He says, yeah, which system did you employ? I said, no, no, no system. I just, and I told him exactly what I just told you about how I'd made this decision and stuff. And he goes, oh, diary. And again, I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, decide, imagine, act, and review. He goes, you just have to come up with something for the why. And I said, well, you choose. And he goes, there you go. And, and it was, that's how the name diary, which is my five-step framework of fundamental transformation, that's how the name was given. But the process was created out of my desire to be something other than who I was my entire life. And so now that's what I teach my students. I walk them through a 12 week course of the diary system 
to bring about to bring about helping them to unlock their true potential, helping them first and foremost to love who they are, right where they are, as your own authentic self. I live by three keywords, which are inspiration, authenticity, and joy. And what I want to do is to inspire people to be their most authentic self, and then to feel the joy that comes from truly loving who you be. And of course, some things need to be tweaked and adjusted so that as we drive down into the different aspects of our personality and character, much like a diamond has different faces, some of them are flawed. So we can drive down into the different aspects of our personality and character, shine some light on them, and maybe buff out some of those flaws so that we can shine like the star that we were meant to be. And that's what I help my students do. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you mentioned that we have to love ourselves exactly where we're at right now. I think that is such a key component in what you're talking about, because we are often taught, you know, that we have to hate our ego or hate the flaws. And, and I've been a victim of that myself and thinking that, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we need to do. But the real issue The real issue is that, sorry guys, it's, this is Nala. They know my dog. She likes to sometimes just jump in and uh, say a little, her peace of mind too. So we're talking about- You know what's great, Melissa, about this new world that we live in? That's totally acceptable. We're, we, you know, Corona sent us all home. And I remember the first time I was watching a newscast and the, one of the reporters, you know, he's working from home now, his teenage daughter had no idea dad's on TV. And yeah. she just went bebopping across the screen. <laughs> and he's like, I'm really sorry. But today, I think we've all grown accustomed to the kids and the dogs. And, you know, there's so, the, the UPS guys ringing the doorbell. So I, I say have at it. Yeah. So guys, we're just here. This is us. These are just two normal people, regular people bringing you this podcast. So when things like that happen, please excuse it. But I think it also lends into what I was just talking about, which was the flaws. Um, yes. We have to love ourselves flaws and all because oftentimes we really get the sense that um, we can't love ourselves if we are flawed. But the real revelation here is we are all flawed and we make adjustments we we see where we're flawed the real i think growth journey comes when you see that you're flawed and you work on that and you try to make yourself better but we can't just say i'm flawed this is how i am and i hate myself you have to love yourself exactly what you said where you're at right now i think that is such an important message to get out to people that it's okay to love yourself exactly as you are now flawed and all because everyone is flawed anyway and mm -hmm. just you know be willing to be open to the fact that hey maybe there are ways that i can do things better and be willing to change when you can but i love that you mentioned that because you really do have to love yourself exactly where you are and i know that must have been very difficult for you to come to that realization i mean you've had so much trauma i can't even imagine having to did you witness your mom being murdered when you were 10. well it's a funny story so not a funny story uh, but i before we get into that story i just want to piggyback something you said you know 
I think that there are certain terms that get thrown around a lot today. And when we all start to incorporate these into our daily language, I think it minimizes the importance of them. And one of them is authenticity. Somewhere along the line, somebody started using the word authentic and authenticity, and it almost gets cheapened by the fact that it gets used so much. You know, like remember before two years ago, nobody ever used the word pivot, but it was part of the English language. And now it's in every other sentence, right? So that's the, I, I recreated a whole podcast episode on the word pivot and, and this idea. But uh, authenticity is big for me. And that's why I said, let the dog bark. Let the kids knock on the door, right? That's part of who we are. That's part of our life. And, and Corona taught us none of us is perfect. And we're all trying to figure it out. And it was a perfect way to, to let everyone know, right, that what's going on behind the curtain is the same stuff that you feel. We don't look the same but we experience the same emotions. There are days when I don't feel very much like I love Bob. There are days when, you know, I just can't get the damn TV to work. What happened to the Wi-Fi? Where does this cord go? Like, I don't understand. I'm a pretty smart guy. How come the computer won't turn on, right? And then all of a sudden I go down that rabbit hole of, you're an idiot. You can't fix anything, you know? And, and But we all feel that stuff right have you has, has anybody never felt like oh you know what I've just coming up short so we all feel that and and if you want to set out on a journey because I believe transformation is a journey it's a transformational journey you need to have that honest self-assessment if you were going to get in the car and go on a trip the GPS if it doesn't know where you are starting from it can't plot the course right so we need an honest self-assessment. And that's what you were talking to me. So you've got to love me right where I'm at. But it, belay that. I've got to accept me where I'm at. And maybe I can't love me today, but I can learn to. And the way that I can do that is I, I identify the things that, I, that I'm not real crazy about. And then I can learn how to look through a different lens, right? I'm, I'm pointing to my eyes right now for those of you listening. So I'm pointing to my glasses because we have to just look at life through a different lens. You know, when you go to the optical, what does the doctor do? The doctor is, is just helping you with the tool. The tool or the lenses. You sit down and they put that big thing on you and has got all of lenses. And what does the doctor say? You know, you put your face on there and goes, does it look better now? And they push the button and it switches the lens or now this way or this way. And they just keep click, 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 right? Flipping the lenses. Nothing in the room is changing. It's still you and the doctor. The letters are still on the wall. Nothing is changing. All he's doing is changing the lens at which you're looking at the letters. But all of a sudden he finds the one that makes it clear. And that's to me what a good coach does. There is Melissa and I cannot approach life the same exact way. We, we are not the same people. We don't look the same, but we have similar characteristics. Maybe she's triggered by the dog. Maybe I'm triggered by the mailman. And they cause us to feel some kind of way, but it's how we deal with those things. Those are the same because we still, we feel the same emotions and the things that make us the same, those ties are so much greater than all of the things that make us different. So I just wanted to really key in on that because we need an honest self-assessment of right where we are and, and who we are right here, right now in this moment, so that we can start to fix the flaws. And um, to get 
to get to that story about my mom. So my parents were going through this really tumultuous time, lots of fighting, lots of craziness. And we were at my father's girlfriend's house and they were, I don't know, on a break, not on a break, fighting. He thought it was okay to have a girlfriend, whatever. My mom shows up, a big fight breaks out and like all of the police in town are there. We lived in a small town for a brief period of my life. And so like the town's police force shows up and there's all this chaos and mayhem. And My dad's standing outside and it's dark and all you see are the flashing lights everywhere. He's on his knees, he's got one arm around my brother, one arm around me. And my mom's standing in the distance behind the car door, it's open and she's crying, she's upset. And she said, you know, just give me my kids and I'm leaving. And I look at her, I say, I don't wanna go with you. I wanna stay with my dad. And my dad said to me, go with mommy and I'll see you tomorrow. So because he asked me, I agree, I idolize my dad. So I go with her, we go back to the house and she's in and out of the house, she's on the phone, just, just all this drama, she's upset, lots of crying and yelling. And then finally she says, gives me a kiss, says I'm gonna go get cigarettes, I'll be back in a little while. And she never came home. And all I remember feeling was the last thing I said to my mom is, I don't wanna be with you. And that made me angry because you know, it's kind of like the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something that's bad and shame is I am something that's bad. And that's how I felt. I felt like I was a bad thing because I rejected my mother, which especially now growing up without one, like to me, that's the most pure form of love, a mother for a child, right? That's, that's an amazing gift. I don't think men truly grasp what women that bond by being able to create another human being. You know, there's something special that goes on with you guys and kids. And, and so I just felt like this horrible thing because I said to my mom that I rejected her and then, and then she was gone. And the reason why I said it's a funny story is I want to show the power of the mind. For 15 years and lots and lots of therapy, it took me 15 years to connect the dots properly, which was that night when the big fight broke out and all hell broke loose. That was in October and she didn't die until the end of December. But for that whole two months I lived with her, it was just her and I, and we had all that time together. And just to show the power of the mind, rather than me remembering all the joy and that closeness that we shared, just the two of us, I immediately went to the dark place. I immediately went to the place that says, you rejected her, you're a bad thing, and I lived angry. And I mean really angry, I was very violent. It was the first thing that I learned as a child was if I wanna change how I feel, I can do something externally to change how I feel internally. And violence was so accepted in my family and in my neighborhood that I used violence as a way to change how I felt. And so I was a very, very violent young man, very angry, and I hated to be hurt emotionally hurt. So I turned all that hurt into anger. And violence was the first thing that I used to, uh, to deal with that pain and suffering. And then of course, I graduated from violence to sex, alcohol, gambling, drugs, and on and on. But uh, yeah, it, it's funny how the mind works, because I robbed myself of something that could have been joyous. And it helped determine the path that created the rest of my life simply because immediately I turned to the dark place instead of seeing the light. Again, a simple shift in perspective. Does it look better now yeah. or now?
Yeah. And you know what, though, that is that is honestly the natural place for the mind to go. And especially if you're a young person dealing with all of that tragedy and all of the stuff that's happening, because, you know, when we grow up, we're not often taught and it's definitely not taught in schools how to express your emotions in a healthy way. So a lot of people do that. A lot of people go to the place where it's easier to act out than it is to process the emotions because you simply don't have the tools to do it. Um, and I saw the same thing in my own son growing up, you know, he was very angry at things that were happening when he would go with his dad and mm -hmm. things I didn't find out about until years later. And that was the way that he dealt with it too, was just to be very angry and to misbehave. And in, for him, it wasn't anything major, you know, just mm -hmm. a typical thing that teenagers do. But I think there are a lot of people out there listening to you right now who probably think, yeah, I did that. You know, yes, I jumped into relationships that were bad for me, or I did drugs, or I drank, or I did this, or I did that, all as a way to cope with mm -hmm. all those emotions that were going on. And instead of being able to flip the switch a little bit, change the lens and say, okay, instead of taking a drink, I can do something else. I can do something yeah. different. So how yeah. do you help people? Because I know I, I always say that it's really important that people understand when they're working with a coach, a lot of us have been through exactly what they've been through. And I think that's a, a very positive thing because we know how yeah. to get out of where we've been and we know how to get you to the same place. And I think that that also helps people understand, look, you're not alone. We've done this. We've come on the other side and we know that you can get there too, which I think is an amazing thing. So how do you take your clients who maybe have been in those same patterns of behavior as you? How do you help them make that shift and change that lens? Well, first of all, I think it's important to honor whatever coping strategy you're using at the time, whether it be violence or drugs or compulsive shopping or whatever, whatever you're doing, right? Like, okay, it's not a bad thing. I'm, I was just in a clubhouse room earlier, right before I came into this one and was, do we judge? And so the moderators asked me to speak. I said, yeah, I, I judge, right? I think there are two types of people in this world, people that judge and people that lie about whether or not they judge, right? Because we have to make some type of judgment is this a good thing or bad, right? That whole fight or flight, uh, should I run? Should, I, you know, is the saber tooth coming to get me, right? We're not really dealing with saber tooths anymore, but we still need to address a situation in an environment. And like you said, we're not teaching this stuff in schools. We're not, and, and, and where are you learning most of your stuff from your parents? What did I say earlier? As you get older and have kids of your own, you realize, hey, these were just two people that really didn't, you know, A, we don't come with instructions, and B, they were just trying to figure it out themselves. Maybe their parents didn't know squat. I know that my father did a horrible job, horrible job as being my father. I love my dad and I forgave my dad. How about that one? Like my father robbed me of all of that opportunity with my mom and I forgave him. And we could talk about that if you like, because forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person and has everything to do with how free do you wanna be. You wanna live your life free? Or do you want to live your life full of anger and resentment? Because me holding on to that, me me nurturing like a like I say it's like a seed. You know, you give it water, 
you give it sunlight, you, you bring it up all the time, you bring it out, every time you talk about it, you bring it out, give it some sunlight, you water it by talking about it, you're feeding it nutrients, you're letting it grow and grow and grow. Well, those seeds that were planted in me, they were strangling me. They just grew to take over my all of my insides and there was no there was no room left for anything else. So the first thing I do is just honor whatever you're doing, it's okay, but it's probably not serving you the best. So let's look at some different strategies. And I think that there's so much power in being able to identify something and let the other person know, let the student know. You remember the Me Too movement? What was the power in that? The power was Me Too, right? Like I, I get where you're coming from because Me Too. So, you know, that very same year that, that you know, my mom died, I told you my parents were going through a lot of crap, so they didn't want us kids to see them arguing. So they sent my brother to one state, they sent me to another one to stay with family. And I was sent out to California to stay with family. And at the time I was nine years old and I had a 19 or 20 year old cousin who thought I was a pincushion, you know? And I used to, I used humor a lot when I was growing up to deal with pain. And so I used to refer to that as my summer of sodomy. And I hated everything about it. I would have much rather watched my parents beat the crap out of each other than what I was going through, right? But the fact that I went through that means like I understand how you feel if that's something you've gone through. So I try to identify first and foremost with my students. I let them know first and foremost that, yeah, me too. And here's the way that I dealt with it erroneously. I use drugs, I use gambling, I use sex, I use violence. Right? I found that all those things didn't work because like I said, when we started the show, at the end of the day, no matter what I did, I still hated Bob. Now I hated Bob for all those things and the stuff that I did today to make it worse. And then I found out that I could do something different. I could start to appreciate who Bob is. And sometimes I'm not talking about major life change. I'm talking about the gradual little things. So I had to learn that the space between you and I, if you, you know, a person is standing in front of me, I've been arrested like 40 or 50 times for assault. And people would often ask, why'd you hit that guy? Well, because I knew we were going to have a fight. And they said, yeah, but you started this. No, no, I didn't start it. I just was the first person to swing. That means you started the fight. No, because where I come from, you know when you're gonna fight. When you live in the jungle, you live by the laws of the jungle. So I know when someone's gonna hit me. I had had a zillion black eyes to prove it. I still had this lump on my forehead from being constantly hit. So I, I don't need to keep getting hit to know I'm about to get hit. I start striking first. And so I would let people know like that I did all of these things. It brought about this change, I hated it. So I have to do something different, right? So I create the space between. I feel that you're about to hit me and rather than hit you, I just pause for a second. Uh, it's the star method, stop, think, analyze and respond. My whole life was a reaction, everything. And maybe at first, instead of immediately hit someone, I could pause for three seconds and, and then I would hit them. But eventually I learned how to take the three seconds and create a longer pause so that I could stop, think about what was going on, analyze the situation, 
and then respond rather than react, which would then mean I'm not going to hit you at all. Uh, I may just walk away. I may say something and walk away, whatever, whatever it may be. But that when I left that event, at first, the story I would tell myself is, wow, you really suck. You, you didn't handle that the right way because I really believed that hitting you was the right response. Like I said, I grew up with a different set of tools in my toolbox. Um, but I learned over time, over practice of taking small things and making little minuscule changes that I started to feel better. And what I noticed was I wasn't just changing what I was doing. I was changing who I was being. And I like that. And if I can, you can. And I can show you how to do it one millisecond at a time if that's where we got to start. I had a mentor that once told me, listen, we're going to just calm down. I want you to stare at this. He showed me this thing on the table. Stare at that for the next minute. And I was like, looking back and forth. I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. He goes, yeah. can you do 30 seconds? Nope, not going to make it. He goes, how about five? Can you just stare at it for five? And you know, that's really where I had to start. You know, you just got to start. Yeah. And I want to piggyback on that because I love that you're mentioning that even if your intention was to do one thing and you didn't do it right, but you made progress with that. That's what we have to focus on. We keep yes. ourselves up. We've got to focus on the fact that I made progress. Like maybe you still lost your cool and yeah. you still yelled, but mm -hmm. it took you longer to get there. Right. And eventually you're going to get to the place where you don't yell and lose your cool at all. That's you're right. Making progress. You're making steps. It might feel like baby steps, but it's still something. And we've got to get to a place where we can say, I love that I was able to do that instead of saying, well, I failed because look, I did it again. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Oh my God. There yet, I hate that word. When I, I was before this change, the word again, it often came when they slammed the door shut at the jail. I, I, damn it, I did it again. You know, I hated that word again. I screwed up again. I was a failure again. I let my kids down again. I, 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 let my wife down again. I just didn't come through again. Or, you know, I did something wrong again. And oh, I hated that word. But you know, just like everything else we're talking about, I made it through the day without losing my cool again. I made some progress again. And that the space between uh, the the impulses that I felt, right? Event and Bob reacting, that space between got longer and longer and longer. And here's the beautiful thing. Maybe like we were both talking, maybe it's a nanosecond on day one, but then it gets to a point where like, okay, I waited a long time and then I hit someone. That's progress. So let's focus on the progress, <laughs> not the failure. And then eventually it'll get to the point where I won't hit anybody. And then it'll get to the point where like, I won't feel triggered by this person and then it'll be this is the part that i that was my goal how do all these other people walk around and not be bothered by that guy over there like they they don't even notice him right you ever see the spy movies when the spy turns into a regular person they walk in a the room they still assess the situation right because yeah. that's their tools those are the tools in their toolbox so i kind of felt like growing up in the jungle so to speak 
that I would assess things and people would just be so oblivious. And I'd be like, man, ignorance really is bliss. I wish I didn't know some of the things I know, but you can learn. As long as you're alive, you have the opportunity to transform into anyone, live your life any way that you choose. Everyone on the planet would agree that if you've had bad circumstances and all of these bad things have happened to you, that you're a product of your environment. Nobody argues with that ever, right? Well, if you can agree that that's true, you have to apply the principle, which is why I love a principle-centered life, because principles are unwavering. They apply equally to everyone and across all circumstances. So if you can agree that you're the product of your environment and all these bad things made you who you are, then you have to agree with the principle that says, if you start putting all these good things into your life and start living and creating events that are good, you will be a good person. You will, you will have a good life. You'll feel good about who you be. Yes, and I love that. And I wanna add on to what you were talking about and learning to be oblivious because so often we listen to the criticism of others and people's opinions, what do they think about us? And I was watching a special on Brene Brown on Netflix the other night, and she was talking about when she did her first TED Talk and she looked at the comments and she said, it almost killed her because people mm -hmm. were so cruel in the comments that they wrote. But she said, I've learned that if you're not even willing to get into the arena, then your opinion means nothing to me. So these people now, want to make comments on your life, yet they're not doing anything to change theirs, or they're not taking the risk, or That's they're right. not putting themselves out there. So we've got to stop caring what other people think yeah. about us and what we're doing. We have to put the focus back on what we think about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves, because you're going to get criticism from people who aren't even trying to better yeah. themselves. If you haven't walked in my shoes, don't tell me how to wear them. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Um, for the longest time, when I first started, I didn't, I didn't set out to be a coach. I didn't, I didn't want to get involved with this. It wasn't a dream of mine. I had got, I've been in sales on and off throughout most of my life. And I, and, you know, I said, I was a stockbroker. I started out on wall street when I got out of the service, I started at Stratton Oakmont. Everybody knows the company now because of Jordan Belfort, the wolf of wall street. Right. So that's where I started. It's where I met my second wife and just. I became really good at what I did. So training people, coaching people, helping people was something that I've always been doing. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to move my kids out of New York and move up to the Poconos in Pennsylvania and devote all of my time to being at home and, and spending time with them and going to the field trips and showing up for the school stuff and the PTA and all that, right? Like there's all these women and Bob, right? Because the, most of the dads are out at work, but I was able to be there and, and show up for all that stuff. And I wouldn't give that up for anything in the world, by, by the way. Um, but, oh, damn, I lost my train of thought. Talking about becoming a coach, you hadn't planned. Yes, that's right. So, so as I was coaching the kids then, right? So I go from teaching people how to sell stock and work on the phone to now I'm coaching kids in football, baseball, soccer. And you know what? It was really corny back then. But when I used to have all the kids do their warm-ups, so like before you could put on pads for football, you have to go through strength and conditioning for weeks. And I'd have the kids running back and forth in the field and doing bear crawls and doing all this stuff. And I would make them yell at the top of their lungs while they were doing it. I can do this. 
I can do this. So you got 50 kids running. They're all scattered all over the field and they're all screaming, I can do this. I can do this, right? To create that belief that yes, you can do this despite how you feel you can do this. So I just, and, and then eventually after having made this decision, you know, I got involved in an MLM and then I was, I was talking to people and trying to coach them on sales and how do I get, you know, people to look at my presentation and, and how do I do this and how do I do that? So I was always coaching people. And one day this guy who was on my network marketing team. He says, Bob, you got to call this guy. So I called the guy and I'm like, Hey, um, Bob, I was giving you a number. He goes, Oh, what do you think of my podcast? What do you think of my coaching course? What blah, blah, blah. And I said, I, I honestly don't even know who you are. I've never heard of you or from you, no clue. And he got offended and he's like, listen, I don't know how you got my number, but I'll deal with serious people. And I was like, don't you hang up the phone because you don't know who I am. And so I told him a little bit about me and he's like, oh, you're right, we need to talk. And he said, you have a message and I can help you to put that message out there. And in that, the podcast was born, the coaching course was born and the rest has got me to speaking with you right now, right here on this podcast. So as bad as there's been so many really bad events in my life, and it became so normal that we used to just call it Tuesday at my house, you know, something bad would happen. Be like, yeah, it's just another Tuesday at my house. Wait till the weekend. Cause that's when things get really crazy. Uh, and, and I'm making light of a very, very uh, dangerous, dysfunctional situation, but I wouldn't have changed any of it because like I said earlier, I, truly love who I be today. I love where I'm at. I, I see the fault. I see the things, how I've done, uh, how some of the things I've done have created different personality traits in my children. I see the relationships they're in today. I, and I still wouldn't have changed a thing. And, you know, just, I was going to say this earlier and I got sidetracked. My dad wasn't a great dad, right? Obviously. But one thing that he did do before he died was I started taking care of him when he was in his mid forties, he was overweight, lots of heart conditions, blah, blah, blah. So he was always around. And one day I said, listen, you know, you've got grandchildren here. You need to focus on them. And he did. My kids love pops. I mean, you can't say a bad word about pops. When I tell them the kind of father he is, they don't believe me. They're like, not him. He was a great, you know, they, they just love him. So as bad as he was to me, he tried to make up for it with my kids. And so for that, I have to honor him and love him for it. And so the other reason why I say that is to just say like, as long as you're still alive, it's never too late to change who you be. And even those relationships that you've damaged, even the things that you wish didn't work out the way they did, you have the ability to transform who you be and to start living a life that will make you feel joy, that will make you feel ultimately fulfilled. When people ask me, what do I give my students? Fulfillment. Well, that's priceless. And I love what you're doing and I wanna thank you and honor you for doing that and for helping others. And we have listeners out there who are maybe listening to you and thinking, I really want to change. I want to do something. What's the best way they can work with you or follow you? 
So two things. First and foremost, now that we have the addition of Clubhouse, which is great, uh, you can catch me every day on Clubhouse in a room. It's under the Beyond Our Boundaries Club. The room is called Inspiration, Authenticity, and Joy. We meet 7 a.m. every day, Monday to Friday, New York time. And if you follow the Beyond Our Boundaries Club, you'll be alerted as to when that room or any other room that we open underneath that umbrella opens up. And that's a place where not only will you hear me speak, but I get to hear you speak and you can share your thoughts, ideas, and weigh in on the topics that I discuss on my podcast, Beyond Our Boundaries. If coaching is something that you're thinking about and it, listen, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but if I happen to be a, a flavor that you're interested in, you can always reach out to me at my webpage. It's bobgaletta.com forward slash call, book a discovery call. We'll know within minutes whether or not we gel, and then we can always take it from there. Uh, but you can follow me on Instagram at bobbymush13, Twitter is at bobbymush13, and uh, on Clubhouse, it's just bobbymush. So those are the ways to get a hold of me. I'm not that hard to find. All right. And we will have all of those links to your social media in the show notes today. So before we leave, this has been such a great conversation. I always like to ask our guests to leave our listeners with one piece of advice, a little nugget of wisdom, if you will, something maybe that you wish you would have known a lot sooner in your life. I never knew I had options. I never knew I had options. I always thought that I was growing up to be, you know, like I, I thought I was going to be in the mob and dead by 20. I mean, you know, retired at 25, dead by 30. I, I didn't know there was another way. And I just want everyone in the world to know that you have options. You can be the master and you can control your own destiny. Life can be whatever it is you choose it to be. And if you don't know how to make the life you want, give me a call and I can help. All right. I love that. And I want to thank you so much for being a guest here. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And the greatest compliment you can pay me is to share this podcast with anyone you think might benefit. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media. I go live Mondays at 630 Central on Facebook where I do a free card reading. If you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. And if you wanna work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. You can see the services that I offer. Plus you can also book a free discovery call with me to see if we are a match energetically and how I might best serve you. I hope you guys are having a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light. I will talk to you soon. Bye guys. <laughs>